All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Course Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. This is Sugar Steve. On this week's classic episode of Questlove Supreme, we revisit our January 23rd, 2019 conversation with DJ Quick. He talks about producing hits for Tupac and Tony Tony Tony, meeting some of his heroes, and his love of funk. This is episode number 119. Do enjoy. Suprema, su, su, Suprema Roll Call. 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 David Brooks Production. Yeah. Greater than. Yeah. Andre Young. Yeah. I said it. <laughs> Suprema, su, su, Suprema Roll Call. Suprema, su, su, Suprema Roll Call. My name is Fonte. Yeah. And y'all might disagree. Yeah. But my favorite Quicks groove. Yeah. Number three. Roll call. Yeah, Suprema, su, su, wow. Suprema Roll Call. Suprema, su, su, Suprema Roll Call. Sweet. Yeah. Black. <laughs> yeah. Pussy. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. My name's Boss Bill. Yeah, and I'm no donkey. Yeah, cause I know quick. Yeah, is way too funky. Roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. It's my EM. Yeah, and I'm in his town. Yeah, that's DJ Quick. Yeah. Can we get down? Roll call. Day. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. I ain't no joke. Yeah. Sometimes I'm funny. Yeah. When I'm a pimp, I make records like, yeah. Bitch better have my money. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Come on. Suprema. 
Suprema roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Fellas, I'm about to get ready to do my thing. Sugar Steve with the mic drop. Yeah. Just wanted to say black pussy. I just want to say I had that album and I had to listen to it very quietly. Yeah. Yeah. Moms would not. Wait, didn't you have a. A quick punishment? No, I didn't, I didn't have a quick, quick didn't get me in trouble. Oh. I'm surprised, but you know, he didn't get me in trouble. <laughs> <right>. That part. <laughs> yeah, because my mama loved Tonight. Like, she loved mm. Tonight. Right. right. Like, man, if the she would. Oh, oh wait, your mom loved love Tonight? Man, my mama loved Tonight. Really? She, oh, man, yeah. She, she, she loved Tonight. But, like, so I, I bought the tape, and I let her. Just tonight was the only thing she heard me play, because the first song. And you coughed through everything. The rest. Oh yeah, I was just I played Sweet Black, but that was real low. I'm like, oh my god, let's turn this shit down before I'll be able to go nowhere. That's so crazy. You know what's funny about that record, man? I, I wasn't gonna do an album. I was producing this group called the Penthouse, Penthouse Players, Players Quick. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they were so righteous. And so, like, hardcore, it was like, you know, people want to party, too. Like, let's yeah. do a couple of party records. So when I would, like, try, you know, I was just the producers, like, player, stay in your place. Just do the beats. We'll handle the lyrics. You know, he sounded like, <laughs> player sounded like Slick Rick, right? But I'm like, hey, cool, man. So, you know, he had these big records with words like pestilence and, you know, parasitic perks. <laughs> pestilence. It's like, I don't know, you know. I was like, man, can we talk about eight ball? Like, we drink a lot of old English. So They did a class act thing too, right? Yeah, the, I, the, I yeah, did yeah, that remix yeah, for Yeah, that shit was hot. Hey, man, yeah. it, we flipped it, right? Yeah. That oh, shit man. was hot. That was the good old days when the record companies used to do POs. They pay oh, for man. the studio yeah. yep. and send you a check and you just go in the studio yeah. work. But oh. yeah, man, it was that was out of necessity that I did those records. Um, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, this is Questlove Supreme. <laughs> <laughs> by the way. And we have one of the greatest ever in the studio with us, uh, DJ Quick. Anyway, oh. so go ahead, continue. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not no, doing any long surprise. No, no, we got to get this man around. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, man. Like, Amazing. Dude, like, no, I, I, you're on our wish list from day one, bro. Yes. Seriously. Yes. For real. Yes. Okay, for real, I was going to cut the superlatives down and all that stuff. But wait, what was the word? You you was pestilence. pestilence. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> all the superlatives, pestilence. Now, no, but I will say that uh, I mean this is beyond slept on because I don't even think it's slept on because people know. Like, yeah. if, nah, you, people if you know, you know, know. know. Exactly. Yeah. If you know, yeah. you know. But for me, I don't know any producer this consistent yes. with. Quality this like far in their career, like quick, twenty years. After I the believe fact. that Quick produces and makes records like it's his first album. Like yeah. you can tell, he actually still cares about the quality product. Because usually, like after the, I mean, forget rappers with like the fourth and fifth album. Usually by like the seventh or eighth, like they you know they start to wane off or whatever, or they they rely on someone else's swag. Yeah, yeah. And I I have to say like. It is it is criminally uh, uh, insane to me that his name does not come yes, up. Yes, I agree. And great, yeah. In yeah, in in his production game, his patches, his chord structures, his production, his lyric, everything. Yeah. You know look, what I mean? Look, look. I don't know many rappers that have had songs with like entire fucking full string sections. <laughs> like, <laughs> like nobody does that, man. No one does. Nobody does that but Quick. So and thank you for it. 
I, I appreciate you. I mean, I know, I know people that are who are underrated or whatever, or who are underpraised or whatever, get tired of of answering the question like, "How does it feel to be under?" You know, yeah. like Tariq hates that question. Like, yeah, you're so underrated. But does it frustrate you at all that it it did that people don't recognize or it when lists are made like it did. Um, but now it's like I didn't I. I kicked my care out the window. Like I don't, I don't, I don't look for that no more. Cause I realize you have to have like a Philip Drummond, like Dre had with you know Jimmy Iovine. You got to have the big daddy Warbucks who will just keep throwing money at you, whether you win or lose, whether you're you know succeeding or failing, and who will take the losses with you. I never had that person to invest, so I ended up having to be independent and do it myself. And I just refused to pay somebody to say good things about me in the media. It's like, or, <laughs> you know, quick is going to be, you know, here or there. I'll tell you one one good thing, though. Um, this is most recent. This is how I know I'm not that underrated because the the Jackson estate has been inviting me to real important things lately. Really? Like I went to Joe Jackson's uh, memorial, and I'm invited to Michael Jackson's um, 60th birthday party tomorrow mm-hmm. at Mandalay Bay, you know, per the Jackson estate. So. Evidently, I'm, you know, and I got a chance to talk to Janet at the memorial and whatnot. You did the Janet remix, too. Yeah, I did. Offer you. I did. offer yeah. you. Yeah. Jimmy Jam and Cherry Lewis hired me for that. And I've hung out with some of the best people, like, you know, uh, Jimmy Jam, Cherry Lewis, and pretty much all of the time. Jesse Johnson is one of my favorite people. We had him on the show recently. I yeah. love Jesse. Yeah. Man. Yeah, Jesse is great. one of the greatest guitar players ever. Amen. Like he, Amen. You know, um, you know. Quincy Jones. I've been in the studio with, you know, super great Colin Powell even. Wow. You know, so I don't <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. what? Colin how, Powell? Not in the studio. I've been in like a meeting with I was him. Like, he got a okay. it, was, it was, no. Was, <laughs> <laughs> he was supposed to be the first black president. But anyway. Yeah. I hung out with like him. Good. Like when I realized that I'm in the room with Colin Powell and Dr. Dre and Quincy Jones and Russell Simmons and Suge all at the same time. Yeah. It's like I'm supposed to be there. So I'm cool. I mean, you know, maybe maybe I don't put the pom-poms up and cheer enough for myself. But to me, like, Quest, you know, I'm still in the studio with buying new knee 1073s and teaching my, my guys how to record, you know, real analog and get a big sound that doesn't die. You know what I mean? That doesn't date. That's where I'm at with it. All right. So for the one uh, person out there that's listening to our podcast. Could you tell our audience where you where were you born, born and raised? <laughs> <laughs> this, oh. is the, this is the first question I always ask. Where were you born and raised? I was born. In, I was born in L.A., but we moved to Compton when I was five years old. So I was technically raised in Compton, but I was born in L.A. Okay. You know. Um, what were your What was your childhood introduction to music? My childhood introduction to music was. My, um, you know, I come from a big family, like ten, uh, eight sisters, one brother, so Wait, ten wow. kids. You one of the Eddie Murphy We're, kids? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, bro. You know, where did you, kids. where did you fall? In I'm the, the baby. Oh, oh wow. no. man, I got all the, you know, the bad stuff. But like, that explains. <laughs> but no, you also got the record collections. Yeah, yes, I did. Because yeah. I'm certain that the trickle down. Yeah, my sisters used to, they used to have me play their records for their boyfriends when they used to come over. Like, look, watch, watch what he could do. I couldn't even really talk. I was in diapers. But I could go play Heaven Must Be Like This off the Ohio Players record because I knew it was on this side of the record and it was this far in. Right. So I would dro- <laughs> drop needles and they loved it, man. I couldn't even really talk. Wow. You know, that was my thing. And my mother, you know, she used to have us listening to, like, the impressions and Curtis Mayfield and Aretha Franklin and, you know, um, all the – 
you know, Al Green, all that stuff. Like she was she was heavy into that, into soul, funk, and you know, James Brown, R and B, all that stuff. Any of your other siblings uh musicians? Uh at all? no. That my brother, my mother used to buy him drum sets, mm-hmm. and he would just stab them with the sticks. <laughs> and so <laughs> he was like, "I don't want to do this," but I would get on him and do what you did. I played like a little quarter note beat, you know. Right. And they was like, "Yeah, be like, get off them drums. Them is Perry drums." And I was like, but "Perry's just trying to destroy him. Like, can I have him? No, get out of here." And it's like wow. they didn't want to let me shine with my music, but I, I found a way to do it anyway. Oh, okay. So it was uh, your record collection? Mm-hmm. Uh, did you somehow acquire your own, or was it just like based bro, on what your? I used to buy records. I started buying records when I was like eight. You remember the first one you caught? Your first music. First you record I bought was the forty-five of Sheik's Lay Freak mm-hmm. on Atlantic Records. Okay, and it didn't stop. The second one I bought. Was around the same time was uh, the forty five, not just knee deep, by um, Parliament Funkadelic, yeah. you know, and um, it started there. Then you know that was before hip hop, obviously, but I was into all those records. Like I buy Temptations records and pretty much all the new black records that came out. We had you know Compton had this small record record store um, on Rosecrans, and we used to go up there and just you know we used to buy records by sight. You know what oh, I mean? Wow. Like that looked like that's a good record. <laughs> the album cover. The album buy cover, by yeah. the album cover. So, you know, them was the days. And I collected. I ended up. That's how I ended up being a DJ. I would buy, just keep buying records until I had a bunch of records. You know. So were you the designated like black DJ or yep. backyard party? Absolutely, DJ? bro. Spades and night. <laughs> we had. You know, I grew up in the blood neighborhood, so all the crip neighborhoods. Them niggas had the money, so we would go DJ some of their parties. And then get chased out of their neighborhood when they realized where we lived at. Wait, what? <laughs> dangerous, man. It was dangerous days back then. We used to DJ in Crip neighborhoods like Palmer Block and, you know, Magnolia or whatever. Um, to, you know, because they had the money. And when they realized who I was, like what neighborhood I was from, they all get to gathering around me looking crazy. Wow. I, Time like, to pack up goodbye. Tight. <laughs> Even if you was rocking the party. Even if you was dance jamming to the matters. Wow. It was it was weird back then. It was so territorial, but the music transcended all that. It was crazy. So how did how did you? Assuming that you play, how many instruments do you play? Um, I play piano. I play drums, percussion. Um, I just bought a violin, but I don't know if I'm gonna get into that. I play a <laughs> just, little bit I just of guitar. You know, just bought a little, you know. Just to try it out. Just to see see if I could, you know, you hold know the bow right and you know. You know what's weird? Um I'm skipping to your record deal, but you no one at profile really pimped you out to be like the one man band. I mean, you're basically Prince out this motherfucker in right. hip hop. Yes, sir. But why wasn't that even Exploited, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if if Jimmy, um, what was his name? Um, Corey, Corey Robbins, Steve Plotnick. I don't know if Corey Corey was just into the music. Like at first, he didn't get it. It was really the uh, Dave Moss, the the A and R man, who signed me because he was based over here on the West, and he knew what my record was in the streets because everybody was talking about it. So he was the one who championed me getting that deal, and I got a big deal, million dollar deal, and all this good shit. But Corey was like, you know, hey, you're selling records. Just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> you know, you want to come see my apartment in Queens or, you know, wherever they was and mm-hmm. shit in the New York, you know, and I, I hadn't been. So 
I mean, they didn't exploit that, and I, I don't think I played it up, but I knew that. I really had no clue, because it wasn't until, like, maybe rhythmalism. Rhythmalism. Yeah, yeah, that I realized, like, oh, wait. I'm playing He's doing everything. <laughs> I'm playing the bass and shit, all this yeah, shit. Yeah, I just thought, like, you know, back then, I would, at least with the first two records, I I didn't know that you were self-produced and doing all that stuff yourself. I was. I, um, it, it, it came from just not having people. I didn't have relationships with musicians back then. So I would just learn how to play the part. Like if I hear a bass line in my head, and it's 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 you know, it's it's nothing genius. It's just if I hear a James Brown bass down on a, a bass line that I like, I learn how to play that and then expand on that and go somewhere different, modulate it, play it in another key. So, you know, it was basically, you know, it was a you know, a means to an end. I didn't have the facilities and I didn't have the musicians at that point. So I would just play some of that stuff myself. How did you, how did Profile find you? Like being on the West Coast, how did the East Coast label find you? They had you? just opened up an office um, on Sunset Boulevard, Hollywood. And my cassette, I was selling my cassette out of um, my underground tape, the red tape, out of pretty much by word of mouth. Like right. people would call me and be like, hey man, they want 10 of your tapes over here on, you know, 139th. Ooh, wham. So I just get in the car. Go sell 10 tapes, come back with 100 bucks, you know, kick it, make more copies of it. Yeah. And then it started getting crazy. Like, man, we want, they, hey, they want 100 tapes over here. I'm like, dude, you know how long is it going to take, take me to duplicate <laughs> 100 tapes with just High a Kenwood, with, with the Kenwood double cassette? You know, this, <laughs> we had that. But then I ended up getting one of the little from the, uh, we had this, and I'm, I'm, I love the facilities in LA back then. There was a record pool called, um, what was it called? Um, oh, They're going to hate me. Courtney and Trace going to hate me for this. Uh, Impact Record Pool. Okay. And Impact used to have a, a cassette duplicator, and they let me use it. So I had my little master oh. tape, and I'd have the three. So I would just put it in, just let it roll, flip, go do it again. And I was handwriting the, um, you know, the stickers labels, and yeah. putting it on. Yeah, the labels. And I was really, I didn't realize I was distributing my own product. What was your, what was on what that? What was the input of the mixtapes? Yeah. The what? What was on the mixtapes? Um, pretty much some parts of my first album, like Tonight Born, was on there. Born and Raised, I think Born and Raised too. You know, I just started like sampling stuff and rapping. You know, I had this Tascam four track, so you know, I was in there oh, getting. It. I was multi tracking. Yeah, you know what I mean. And do, you know, doing. I came from the you know, listening to like Mixmaster Spade and Toddy T Toddy and T. King T. Yeah. Those were all the guys that we wanted to emulate and be like. And Compton. Bad around him. Yep, pretty much. And the way they was doing it, like, you know, on cassettes with the vibe. We all wanted that reverb, that vibe box, <laughs> right. you call it. So I, I have family out here in uh, Pasadena, so I sometimes visit for the summer. And I just remember the summer of 85, no one on the West Coast knew what the show and Lottie Dottie was. We did. And they were like, well, I mean, like, my cousins didn't know. Because I'm trying to tell them about Slick Rick and Ducky Fresh, and they're like, huh? Yeah. And, but they were like, nah, man, Batarim. And so when I would go home back to Philly, I was like, yo, y'all know about Batarim? Hell you no. You can't stop that, it, baby. <laughs> they were just like, nah. But we, they couldn't relate because the Batarim was the, was Chief Daryl Gates mm -hmm. figuring out how to destroy houses and write it off. Because they used to, back before the Battle Ram, they used to, to the drug houses, they used to attach chains to the iron, you know, the wrought iron, uh, the iron doors, mm -hmm. you know, in the bars that we used to get. Mm -hmm. So they would, you know, peel a tow truck up, attach to it, and punch out and <laughs> snatch the door off and run in there. The Battle Ram, and, but by the time they got in there, because, you know, niggas know, yeah. niggas can hear them outside. <laughs> yeah. We hear yeah. you setting up. You know, yeah. the niggas is in there flushing the drugs, you know what I mean, and getting rid of shit. 
and breaking out the back door and running or whatever. So they figured the battle ram would cut that time off. They start catching niggas running up in their house with that battle ram. Niggas shocked to see a tank in their fucking house. You're gonna flush some cocaine yes, down the toilet with a tank in, in your nose. <laughs> <Looking at> you, <laughs> right, right. Damn, Daryl Gates. What was the first piece of equipment that you acquired for your? Uh, a Cas it was a Casio CZ um it was a CZ one oh one I wanna say, like the little white one mm-hmm. with the like the little twenty or thirty something keys. And I used to just sit up and practice on that, like practice bass lines and you know, little piano parts or whatever. But it was like nineteen eighty two was a Casio. Did it have a drum machine on it too? Or uh, I had the little, just little rhythms where it's like sixteen beat, yeah, eight beat, samba, samba, all the presets, yeah, demo. Okay, you know. But how would you utilize? Like, how would you make your mixtape? It sounded horrible. Yeah, yeah. You already know, pause mixing was everything, and you had to have a certain kind of. Oh yeah, let up time. Yeah, swing when you let up. It it wasn't just you couldn't be lazy with it because your mix will ruin. You know, and back then, if you did a a pause mix right, yours would become like the gospel of that song. Like say you did Heartbreaker by Roger Troutman and Zap. If you pause mixed it right and distributed that, everybody would think that That you you know that was the version of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you did it right, it'd become a legendary mix. Wow. You know? Really. I mean, we was no, <laughs> we were so underachieving back then. <laughs> like we, we had a low parameter for it. No, but everybody uh, talks about the, the, the pause, pause mix. Yeah. Pause mixing was yeah, yeah, everything. Nah, that was it. I made those too. So Hey man, Sanyo, we had a what was it? Sanyo cassette deck. Sanyo and Fisher. Oh, oh Fisher. Sanyo and Fisher. Right, so, you know. And I was amazed the first time I hooked up. Cause uh, you know, back then we couldn't. I couldn't afford two turntables, so I had one turntable, and to try to make it sound like two, I had two cassette decks. So I would record half of the program or whatever I was doing on one cassette, and then bring that cassette back into the mixer and go to a second cassette while the turntable was live. So I was oh. overdubbing. I was learning how to overdub with two cassette decks and one turntable, and that was you know you you did what you had to do back then, like you know. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Schmurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app 
trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So from the demo tape, the red tape you made, that got Profile in the hands got, of, yeah, they got it. Profile got it from off the streets. And um, we had, um, I just started working with like AMG and was trying to bring uh, the guy second to none on or whatnot from the neighborhood, um, you know, just to do little local stuff around, you know, L.A. and abroad. And uh, Courtney and Tracy, who was like my, they were my friends at that point, they got in touch with Profile. Profile had already heard of me, so they started negotiating a deal for me. But Fred Maneo from Select Records was like, hey, I want to be in that, you know, I'll give him 35000 They was like, Profile was like, I would give him forty five. And they was like, quick, just, I'm like, take it, take it, come on. Forty-five. Are y'all talking about $45,000? That's it, come on. I, I, already have, I already had that check spent. I'm finna get a Jetta. I'm finna get some feelings. You know, niggas, you know, I'm finna spend it, you know. But um, it ultimately went up and up and up until it was like, you know, over $100,000. And then it was like, okay, that's just some bullshit. This ain't, this is a dream. This is a lie. You know, niggas like us don't get that lucky. You know, I come yeah. from welfare and hard knocks and shit. Niggas stealing my equipment and <laughs> my sister burning it up, being mad, wow. jealous of me. Like, you ain't going to be successful, motherfucker. Throw my turntables and in the fireplace. It? Yeah. Wow. <gasps> yeah, my sister Jackie, she going to hear this too. She in the fire. <laughs> yeah, she, she taught me how to sell crack. So her thing was if I wasn't loyal to her, she would destroy everything that I bought wow, in the wow. dope game. So she and she would do it in front of the niggas in the hood. Like that was the only bad part of my growing up. She would show off in front of them niggas who was like, "Oh, using it as an example." Yeah, like if I like get my brother, yeah, come on, yeah, exactly. Wow. Like, come check, you know, come bro? watch what I'm finna do. Okay, so a, a common element amongst a lot of the people that we interview on the show, uh, especially with producers, especially with great producers, is that they start out as DJs. Mm-hmm. But they're also DJs in high-pressurized situations. So we noticed that uh, Jimmy Jam, who each week had to entertain at least a crowd of 600 people, like n- n- no song could be a loser in the bunch. Like he, the pressure to keep the them pressure, moving. That pressure gets you right. and of course, chill we, bumps and sweat. Right. And, and then Dr. Dre's story of like, if I play the wrong song or the wrong mix, then they're going to start shooting up in here. So it's almost like, being a DJ in a high-pressure situation where lives might be on the line makes you a better producer because you automatically know what's going to work. Yeah. So what was, your, what was your template as far as working on your, your, your first record? Um, I wanted to do, I mean, because, of course, we grew up listening to the album cuts from Def Jam, like I Feel Good About Candy, yeah. mm-hmm. yes. you know, um, 
Uh, so, even like Chuck Stanley, like the R and B stuff that you like Chuck Stanley. Yeah, never gonna let you go. That's <laughs> <laughs> never gonna let you. I'm gonna sample that. Wow. Never gonna let you go. It's hot, but you I know, just never heard nobody. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard nobody rapping that like, record. Like listening, Orange listening yeah, to yeah. listening to those records. Like even if you didn't play them at a club or at, at your parties, you had to kind of like know what was going on. Um, my my template was I figured. And I was really into reggae, like the Sugar Mine Nod and Sister Nancy, and mm-hmm. you know, even more than just Bob. Everybody just Bob Marley, reggae Bob Marley. No, it's it's a bigger story, you know. <laughs> There's a lot more to it than Bob. Marley. My God, so you know, listening, growing up, listening to all that, what the bomb bomb and all that. I wanted to do a record that just pretty much showed people what my rate range of music was. Like you did the, the bomba, like yeah, 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 right. Reggae, I yeah. wrote that kind of from scratch. Yeah. You know? yeah, I was gonna say like there was all there was a token uh, the reggae, reggae, reggae joint. <laughs> <laughs> right. He said the token. Yeah, no, it was. <laughs> 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 reggae joint. Hey, reggae was big in Compton. It really? was. Yeah, we. Huh. It's a, a big Caribbean. Caribbean. It's a such a chill. Hey, Big Ducky, like the Cox family, Ducky, Dave, Shelton. You know, right now they stars. Now they used to. They're from like Fruit Town, the neighborhood across the street from us. Okay. Dave is like in the in the uh, Straight Outta Compton movie. Ducky is security for Rick Ross right now. Dave is security for um, who is Dave security for now? Dave, little baby, baby Dave. Dave David Cox from Fruit Town. He's secure everybody. He you know, these guys used to play all the reggae in the hood. Like they knew. The reggae stuff. So we got our reggae taste from them. You know what I mean? Um, but that, it was, believe it or not, it was people used to be days where we just played all reggae all day. Everything. So I wanted that all them different elements, all the stuff my mother used to play. I wanted all that on my first album. Yeah, because I know it's like you sampled. Because my mother, she was a big emotions fan. Yeah. And so I was surprised <laughs> to see you sample. I was like, man, what made him go for that one? Because yeah, that was the one. Three, what is that? What's that tip one? Shuffle. Yeah. Shuffle. Yeah. It was it was shuffle. That was a hot record to us in the day. It was the first thing after Best of My Love. After Best of My Love, yeah. And it was like, this is dope. And I just, you know. I've been I, I was influenced by Blowfly, I ain't gonna lie. And I got a chance to hang out with him. <laughs> Blowfly corrupted me. Yeah, he, he corrupted you know, a lot of us. A lot, yeah. You yeah. know, and I I'll speak for it to say that I, I didn't realize how vulgar my album was until I started having kids. Huh. And I can't play <laughs> sweet black pussy around certain people. So you figured it's that's your opening song. Why was it born and raised in Compton versus maybe the like, quickest because because Sweet Black Pussy was funny. And everybody in my clique liked yeah. it. They was like, that's the one, right? Yeah. That's the one. It's an attention grabber. Like, hey, bro, yeah. I was ni- I wrote that yeah. at 19. Think so, you know, obviously I had only slept with like two or three people. <laughs> but out of those three people, you it know. Was sweet and black. Two black and one other. And I knew, it was like, that black, them black ones, is, man, it's sweet. If it ain't got nothing here, I don't it. care. Talk about it. You know, that's all. They keep you coming back. That shit, how you walking down the street like. Shout, shout out know? to Tina Ferris. Okay, are you happy? We're happy. We're talking about sweet black pussy on. <laughs> my, my, my tour manager is like, you better mention sweet black pussy. Man, I didn't realize that. Hey, it was times. I was, like you said, like the pressure, the pressure of a DJ. It was nights where I would forget to do that record in my lineup and really like right. start a riot. Mm. Like wow. the, the black girls would diss me so bad. Like yeah, wow. the women love like <laughs> the song. Is you crazy? You ain't <laughs> every every woman that's a DJ Quick fan, that's the first song they mention. Hey man. <laughs> I didn't realize I made like 
the staple record for the black woman <laughs> vagina movement. I, I had no idea. We'll take all compliments. Hey, man, you know? <laughs> Any and all compliments. All compliments. Man, but I had this thing, y'all. I, I would, um, certain people who got in trouble listening to my record authentically, <laughs> and they gave me a story about it. Like, mm -hmm. they got punished, they got mm -hmm. whooping. I would let them get that lick back. I'd be like, you can hit me one time with that one. And they That's tell them I'm going to do something nah. I did, but they... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I let them get their leg back. Nah, but, it would have been worth the punishment. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The albums was too good. Nah, it was so. too, man, what was the what was sample clearances like back then? Sample clearances, because of um Bismarck, it was a gray area. Okay. Like we were sampling crazy before it got legal when, you know, back then you'd had to clear the record through publishing, through master usage mm -hmm. and license it. And, you know, but we was like we ain't got no instrumentalist. This instrumental is dope. We're going to put this on the tape. We're going to rap to it. That's what it is. And people liked it. When they figured it out, like um, all the people we were sampling figured it out, they start making new laws, you know what I mean, to, you know, to, mm -hmm. to, to, to stop that shit, get injunctions against our records and whatnot. But my thing was, if I blow y'all record up and y'all sue me, we still win. Y'all still going to get paid. I, ain't right. gonna, I can't run off with y'all money. Yeah, y'all money is being collected over here, and it's gonna take six to nine months to get to me anyway. You know, we work out a deal before that's over, and y'all good. Y'all get y'all split. Betty Wright, when I sampled tonight and didn't clear it, uh, I met her in Atlanta doing Freak Nick. Right? You she didn't was, clear? Oh wow! I didn't wait, clear wait, wait, it because so, wait, wait, what about wait, the intimate the intimate connections? You cleared the intimate connection. I didn't clear you it. none it. of that. Wow! I, but I had I gave them. They was all publishing designees. In okay. other words, when they come after you, you just keep their money there for them. You know? <laughs> right, right. So, gotcha. I didn't know until the second album I started clearing samples like a motherfucker. Though. <laughs> the first one, it was like we was just using the records that we liked and had. Um, and when I met her, she was like, she said, you know, you made me a whole lot of money, don't you? I was like, <laughs> I'm a fan. I love you. Like, we grew up to you. Like, you know, whatever you want. She was like, okay, no, I'm good, baby. You, and you're a lot cuter in person than on your record. <laughs> oh, oh, Lord. Oh, shit. Oh, not for shit. nothing. She was the cleanup woman. <laughs> and not for nothing, ladies. Betty wasn't a lie. Betty wasn't a lie. She made tens of thousands of dollars off of that record. After that record, like, after your first record was assessed, I read in the, it was an interview you did in the source this was guys years ago mm -hmm. you said there was a record you did between the first one and way too funky and you scrapped you was like nah i can't put this it shit was out. it was starting out to be like weak and them records like back then like you you throw away records you know ain't gonna work again the pressure of a producer sometimes you know shit ain't gonna but work but if you're you a self if you're a self-contained unit who's your sounding board i mean besides the board you know your boys i don't know if you roll with the crew that's like yeah that's dope Every time you do something. <laughs> right. So who's the sounding board that you trust that's going to say, like... That ain't working. Yeah, like, uh, I don't like that sample, or you Believe should... Believe it or not, this uh, Greg Jesse, Greedy Greg, he was, like, my first manager. Okay. He's the one who actually helped facilitate my first deal and helped to get Second and None their deal. Actually yeah, got, got them deal, their yeah. deal, and AMG got him his deal. Okay. And Second and None will never admit it. They... they to them, they were already the producers. So they, contained. They, they, told, <laughs> they, they did an interview on the source. I was all happy. My thing was, we are, we like the other NWA. We cool. Slapping hands with them. Then niggas go do interviews by themselves and be like, yeah, quick. He worked for us. We, we did all the ideas with <laughs> us. We just made him do the beats. We said, put that in the SP. Oh, wow. <laughs> right? So he helped all of them dudes, helped everybody. He would be the one be like, no, man, he got a high-pitched voice, too. He'd be like, 
No, man, that shit's whack. <laughs> you can't even play it. The tempo is wrong. You know what I'm saying? So he was right. So we tried to stay within these tempos that worked. Yeah, yeah. You know? Okay, before I get to the history of Quick's Grooves, all yeah. 50, 11 of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that to me is like, I wish you had a greatest hits of just your quick groups. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's like I look forward to those. Yeah, when yeah, I know bro. a quick album to see, coming. Right. Yeah, it was like, oh, what's Quick's group gonna sound like this time? Yeah, which is weird because you went super ape shit on the Rose Crans groove. Yeah. What was on your mind with? Have you heard the Rose Crans groove? I haven't heard that one, dog. He just, I mean, we stretched out. I yeah, had, each had, one pushes the envelope further. But I had the Kenneth road. Crouch. I had Kenneth Crouch. Oh, in the oh, oh okay. that's all okay. you have to say. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Foreman on guitar, um, David Balfour on keys as well. Um, you had a bass player in there, uh, my my uh, drummer Keith Ross, Peanut. So we was just playing around with stuff, and I just got the you know I just got my favorite keyboard back because I used to have a Prophet. That was my secret weapon. Like when I was working on All Eyes on Me, I could recreate. Like, what's your phone number? The print stuff on my mm. profit. But back then, they didn't work that well because they was old. You bought them used. They were abused. They stayed in the shop, mm-hmm. you know. So I just got my profit back, a profit six, the new one. I just started going back through what I used to remember about how that keyboard worked. And we just kept building on that little, that you know, that four-on-the-floor disco, whatever you call it, right. techno beat or whatever. But we wanted it to be spacious and have, you know, and have fun. And Kenneth Crouch just takes... Yeah, everything over You were the changing top. keys yeah. and yeah. modulating yeah. and going here, there. Some relative was... minors and all that stuff. I was like, God <laughs> damn. That's, that's Kenneth Crouch. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Man, I followed him. I followed him on the keys. Man, before, just because you mentioned it before I get He's about it. He's too dope, though. Hearts of Men. Yes. yes, sir. How uh, did you clear? Or we did, cleared that. that, the, that the, did you no, clear? No. Yes, we did. Prince, the, I did. Prince I did. and I was going to make him some money. That was one of the first hip-hop records he ever cleared, too. Yeah, I was going to say. We became... Kind of cool because of that because he liked the way it was done. Yeah, I flipped. Nah, that shit was. Yo, I flipped the backwards Nikki uh-huh. and made it the other way. I was like, I, yo, I looped it. I was like, yeah, quick as God. Yeah, yeah, that bro. shit was flavor. But here's you, the thing: I, was, I didn't know that that was until you told me for the Prince episode. Yeah. I'm so mad. I never knew. Yeah, that. I can't believe you. Yeah, didn't we know did that. it back. <laughs> I did it the other way, and Prince dug it. Also, that's a song off of. Um, George Clinton's big band record, um, Fred Wesley and the Horny Horns, a blow mm. for me, two mm-hmm. for you. Mm. That's the. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Maceo, okay. Maceo, yep. That's that looped with Prince, with you know, bas- basically um, the baseline I wrote, but the drums is uh, you're getting a little bit too smart. Detroit Emeralds, right. Detroit Emeralds, yeah. And also, people don't know it was on. A rare version of Funky, Funky Worm. Worm. Yeah, it was yeah. on a, um, a forty-five. Did I ever tell the Dill story behind it? Uh, yeah, you told me the story, but all right, real quick. All right, so we're we're recording the light. Yeah. Oh, okay. common. And I thought Dill was trying to um um not ghost me. Uh, what happens when? What's the term you use? When you go over your head, sun you, blow you away. <laughs> when. Oh, trying to psych you out and saying it was one thing, but it right. really was. Right. Okay. I thought, I was like, he was trying to play me out. I'm like, it's Detroit Emeralds. He says, no, no, it's Ohio players. And I was like, feeling some sort of way for like three hours. I'm like, <laughs> why is this motherfucker lying? Like, it's fucking Detroit Emeralds. He's like, nah, man. 
it's Ohio players. Because I was taking the sample information yeah. down yeah. to give to the label. And he's like, Ohio players. And the thing was, he didn't know that, that was that was Detroit, Detroit Emeralds. Emeralds. Yeah. And later we found out that Armand had just put that drum break on the on 45. The so why would he do that? Like, I mean, I know it was Westbound Records thing. The producer did that and put the tag, the drum tag from... Uh, I know that Armand, the, the man that owns Westbound Records, put that tag at the beginning. I, I don't know. I, I guess maybe for 45s, there was... Radio, probably for radio. Yeah, like, oh, that's right. Because there's instant talking at the very top of the thing. Exactly. And you need... The, a little tag. Seven yeah. seconds. That to, still works now. Yeah. <laughs> DJs still do that. Put they put an instrumental in front of some of my records when they just start on the one, mm-hmm. and lyrics they'll they'll put that tag on there. So okay, we already said that quick number three. That was mine. Was our that favorite. was my, yeah. I mean I like, no. but man, three was. And like, I, I edited. Was like, yeah. I edited. It was it was actually five minutes forty two seconds. Wow. So I shortened it. And I cut it by tape. You know, you record it yeah, and yeah. you go splice it, shorten it. Um, but that's my man Robert Bacon, who's one of the best bass yeah, guitarists. Yeah, I was going to ask you about him, man. Like, what's because I've never the, like the met Lord, him or nothing. Like, what's he? What's his deal? What's he doing? What's he doing now? He's out with uh, Shaka Khan. He's ah, MD. Okay. And how uh, did you guys first hook up? Uh, High C, my boy High ah, C, High C introduced okay. me to him. He was a session player out here from Detroit, and uh, he played on High C's first record, um, Scandalous. Scandalous, yeah. And I was like, man, who was this dude? Like, this dude, hard. back then we was looking for the next standard guitar man, Jones. Dr. Dre kicked the door in with yeah. the, having real musicians play on your record. It was like, dude, we got to have real musicians. And who did I end up picking for the first Quicks Groove? Stand the guitar man Jones. It was like, <laughs> wasn't no way around it. Right. And um, where, was, where was he from? Or what was Stan his is history? From, he's right around the corner from Dre. He grew up around the corner from Dre, I think on Town, okay. Town Avenue. And, and, industrial Compton is like Compton in LA like a borderline where it's like a little bougie it's like actually cool over there okay like Yajima Village I want to say you mean now or back then I think he's still over there I think his mom was uh, well no no, no I meant was it gentrified you're talking about right now in <laughs> no it was fly back then back you know, then Compton okay. had the the ratchet part over here then had the bougie part right across the street and know. now it's all turning bougie yeah it is the yeah. property is so expensive over there right now man Crazy. After um, when you went into Way Too Funky, were you by the time? Because I mean, the first record was a success. Yeah. Were you making money then? Like, were you straight? Yeah. When I got my first royalty check, I got it nine months after. Cause I, I, I this was my thing. I read that book, this this business of music. Okay. So I was already versed in how this publishing, these points, the, what percentages are, and I was happy to be up there. They was like, "Quick, you got twelve points on your record. Do you know Michael Jackson got like 18, 12 or, or sixteen or eighteen points? So that puts you in a whole different class." And I was like, "It's all sound good until you know to the check get here." <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, I got my first royalty check, and it was like six figures and. I just relaxed. I was shooting a music video for, uh, I think we were shooting Quick is the name. And my man's uh, Tracy and Courtney came up there and had me sign the check. And I was like, like, whoo, that's a house. <laughs> that's 10 motorcycles. Two Jettas. And I did buy that Jetta, though. I gave it to my niece, Tiny Shine. But, you know, I was like, yeah, this is this is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. Wow. You know, but unfortunately, you know, hanging out with, my man's uh, second to none, 
you know, the the gang thing was like kind of prevalent. And I was trying to downplay it. Like, I want to be a producer. I don't want to be this, this, you know, where we came from. Mm -hmm. But, the, you know, these guys, they played it up a little bit. And we went to Denver and these guys throw a bottle in the yeah. audience and hurt some kids. So I get sued. Now I'm on trial. So my whole thing is bittersweet. It's like melancholy. Like, I'm happy, but I got to go to court. I'm looking at some jail time. Yeah, but since you went there, the car, what? please... Like, because even to this day, when I go to Denver, mm -hmm. it's just like Compton. I, that's the only thing, my reference. So, first of all, what is what was touring like? How much of that song was autobiographical? It was The whole record was the truth. It was super dangerous because at that point, I didn't know that there were other factions of gangs in cities that we had never been to. Right. And they was waiting on us niggas. Wow. So it was gun sh it was shootouts to the point it became so frequent that after a while we wasn't even scared no more. It's like, yeah, they're gonna shoot tonight. Sometimes if they didn't shoot, it'd be like, fuck it, you know, let's get some groupies, go back to the hotel kick. You so know? you be on stage not knowing if if it's gonna shit's jump on. You can see them. They'll be in the audience and they'll be the only ones that's not dancing. They just looking at you like <laughs> Right, you know, just that weird shit. You feel it. Um but these guys, they threw a um they threw a, a 40 ounce. Back then, you could have props on the stage, like empty 40-ounce bottles and shit. Uh -huh. Right. You know, it was part of your stage shit. The, you know, the, the fake trash can and the street light and whatever. And one of the guys, one of the members of this group, he threw a bottle into the audience at some Crips, and it didn't hit them. It hit some little kids. Oh, it shit. broke and hit kids. So I already knew. Hey, what were jail. kids doing at a DJ Quick concert? Back like, then, little, little it, was, little, it was a skating rink. It was cool. It was oh, just okay. some kids. Oh, okay, 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 it okay, was all okay. ages at that okay, point. Okay, got you. And, uh, like, I thought this was in a club or something. No, okay. no, it was a skating rink. Okay. But what he did, by, by him throwing that bottle into the audience, it let me know that this guy is going to be a liability. Yeah. And I had to limit my, you know, I hate to, to go here, but, you know, everybody got their little bad story when it comes to this hip-hop shit. And my mans was, they were just self-destructive. You know what I mean? And got me in trouble. And I had to ride for that. And people used to ask them. I was like, why y'all didn't come support me when I went to, to, to the trial? Mm -hmm. They whole shit was, we don't do police. It's like, bro, y'all so hard and so cool. Right. Y'all trying to ruin my career. Right. You know? How long it take you to learn that lesson? Oh, for them niggas? Yeah. I was done immediately. <laughs> Quick fast. Because right. a lot of MCs don't learn the entourage nah, lesson. Man. It takes hey, like decades. Hey, and it's, it's funny because I, I don't have no, like we was kids back then. But right now, like, <laughs> look, he drinking. He he got threatened by the same guy, right? And he was like, "I want to punch this." A this an R and B singer, but he want to sock this nigga in the head. <laughs> like, I'm slap the shit out of that nigga. But he's just a weirdo. He's like, you know, some people is just weirdos. Like, you know, you know, sh you know. So is it easy to say no? Yeah. And well, I, if I can just finish, okay. The the touring that case cost me. Um, $135,000 to fight it and to pay off the suits. And I, my check that I got was like two hundred grand. Oh, man. So everything that That's I made off my royalties went to fighting this fucking case. And then I had to pay taxes after that. So it, it taught me that, you know, niggas, niggas ain't got your best interests at heart. If they, if they ain't the kind of people that who like insurance and, you know, keeping shit copacetic, you can't have them around you because they, they will bring you down easily. Where it's, are, it's so simple. Where are all those at? We're like, like KK and High C. Like, where are all those High right C now? is touring with me right now. High okay, C is my brother. Okay, good. Okay. KK is, um, you know, he's, 
you know, they, you know, every time I talk about them guys, I should say no comment. Every time I talk about them, they go public and be like, nah, we told y'all, see, he hating on us. It's like, bro, y'all did all the wrong things. And I think that's why they didn't become successful. They don't no, have no I like that second and none record. It's like, not I like bad. The first, yeah. It's not bad, but you got to promote it. You know, and they didn't go out on the tours and really promote those records. And they talked about the record company. These niggas fucked us and we got a bad deal. It's like, y'all can't come into this business. Stop smoking fucking wet and, and get in there and get in the studio and make the records. And You know what I mean? Yeah. Stop trying to gangbang. What's this big East East Coast pirate? You know, stop that shit. Like, wow. get, get, the, get the money. And, and I'm, I dare suffice it to say. Somebody offered him three million dollars, bro, and they turned it down and told the man he was Illuminati. Uh, Nigga, okay, what? <laughs> Wait, huh? No, he said he, they were he, they were offered a a significant sum of money, three million dollars. Back then, back in wow. nineteen ninety three, they did a soundtrack. Um, we did a song for um, the Above the Rim soundtrack. Didn't mean to turn you Didn't on. Didn't mean to turn you right. on. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. the record. Yeah, <laughs> you Illuminati. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow. I can't believe it. I was like, wow, like, man, y'all could be rich. Y'all good songwriters. I know y'all good at heart, but it ain't really nothing I can say cool because I, I just watched them ruin a lot of things. Like, you know. They didn't really want it. Nah, nah. nah that's what somebody gonna... said. They were scared of money. They like, quick, that, that's money scared. Some them. people are. They don't even know it. Man. Scared of success. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Man, one of my favorite productions of yours, Danny Boy, Come When I Call. Yes, bro. Oh, bro, Danny. talk to me about that session. I'm just saying that shit before I forget now. But we can the, go back if y'all want to go My back. introduction to Suge and Death Row was <laughs> yes. that song, Second to None, Didn't Mean to Turn You On. Okay, okay. That was my first dealings with, you know, um, Jimmy Iovine and mm -hmm. the great company of Interscope Records and that whole system, which I totally love and I still think is the greatest West Coast record label of all time. Mm. But... They um, 
you know, that was when the deal was offered, bro. And I, I couldn't believe that anybody would turn that deal down. But Danny Boy was the second project I did in that okay. system. And it was for was another murder compilation. Was it was yeah. murder was the case. After, you know, just all this stuff happened so fast, right? That was like a year later after my record came. That was 92. Oh, you know, wow. 93, I think. I want to say 93 is when it came out. But, you know, um, Suge approached me to do something for his new signing, Danny Boy, who I thought sounded like a lot of, a lot like my favorite R&B singer at the time, which was Stokely. Oh, wow. Wow. So I was like, it's a no-brainer. I sampled wow. Michael Henderson's yes, the Let, you know, me, Let love me Love You. you. And he cleared dun, it. Dun, 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 dun. Two million. Nigga. That's two million. Wow. Man, and I just, did the, up, I just did the, I did the, <laughs> I did the, the chromatic bass line, you know, just, you know, what is that? B A, B A G, G flat. So just the black, 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 white kills. It just felt <laughs> man, gangster. Ah, oh, dude, I love that fucking you know, song, yeah. man. That and the remix was dope. I don't know if you did the remix, but there was that was a um, dope record. I think the the boys six nine and them all did that remix. Okay, okay. And at that point, DJ Rogers started coming into the click. I found Warren Campbell. Ooh, baby Dub, yeah. yeah. I put Baby Dub. I gave him his nickname. Wow. Wow. wow, that's so dope. He played on Safe and Sound. Like he's on all the pianos. He's on the piano on uh on your favorite group, three. Quick True. Okay, three. yo, I heard a story. We had Premier DJ Premier on the um on the show. A while ago, yeah. it was like it was like like two years like when we first started, and he always told this story. He told me this story about Gangstar being on tour with you. I wanted to hear it from your side. <laughs> it was you was on tour. It was you, Gangstar, and Father MC. Yep. And Father MC oh, was on some shit where he was on some Hollywood shit trying to be late. <laughs> Father MC. So you can't like so like before the show, you like, yo, bring me some towels. I need like 50 towels. And so you came out during his set patting your jerry curl and like pass him out to the crowd and like <laughs> fuck this shit up. Hey, I didn't realize that. <laughs> you know, me back then, we had been through too much. So our thing was we wanted to be cool with everybody because we were new to the industry. Okay. And mm-hmm. Father MC was already popular mm-hmm. and popping. And um, he used to do this thing where he would come late no matter what his position in the lineup was. He would come late so he could be the headliner. <laughs> that was his thing. So you had to, you know, and them, them venues had curfews. So, right. yeah, yeah, yeah father, right. father, you know, yo, father MC, you know, he'd be like, <laughs> he'd be like <laughs> it's like, yo, man, you late. He'd be like, you're Marvel. <laughs> like, wow. You know, but hey, G's dude, talented dude. But he, yeah, I, I got mad one night. I think he was drinking a little uh, Millagene with draft, and I came out during this set and did some buffoonish shit like that. When it, you know, drive yeah, yeah. you know. No, no, no. Primo Premier said, told you. dude, he was like, dude, that's the most gangster shit I ever saw. He said, after that, <laughs> Father MC got his ass in line. That was a flex. Hey, bro. But you know what's cool, though, is is that um, Keefy D was the first person I ever smoked a blunt with. He told, you know, he rode the blunt yeah, yeah. for the first time. I was like blown away. Like, well, you know, we used to smoke, you know, joints. Yeah, white boy, yeah. So, we, you know, we in Canada with them. And Guru passed me a blunt. I'm like, like, what is this? Like a cigar? You know, <laughs> I hit that motherfucker. I was friends for life with Guru. Too, <laughs> oh, like, Wait, it just hit me because you you mentioned the the Jerry curl and the, and the towel thing. This this is from Tina again, my tour manager, who's like one of your biggest fans. Dope. She wants to know how you manage to Already stay know. feathered <laughs> so perfectly. <laughs> You had the best hair. Yo, I mean, post the way too Because the way too funky, that's what he had it. Like, yo, he was straight feathered. I mean, your hair was healthy. It was healthy. Thank you. See, I appreciate that. I'm getting old now. But (laughs) the trick was, to me, is to have 
the light skin hairdressers because they knew <laughs> hair tricks. The, the, the good hair girls. Oh, oh the ones. Okay, got The you. good oh, hair God. girls did the best curls. So many violations. They would put. Instead of, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just being. No, be honest. Be real. The good girls would not only would they put like the the, the what was it called? Um, Gel. Thiodiglyceride. The, Say the, what? The, oh, the, 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 the jerk curl juice. The hard stuff that burns. Yeah, yeah. They would put conditioner in with it when they did your rollers, so it didn't tear your hair out mm. and make wow. it brittle and fall out. So they would condition with the breakdown process. Like they would, they was doing some. It's fascinating. And then they would rinse it out. I gotta do that. That's all right. Hey, bro. <laughs> and then look, when they broke it down and I was, you know, curled up, when they shampooed and conditioned me, then I could go easily to a feather and it would hold because my curl pattern was already broken down. I don't understand the feather though. It's because it's dry. I don't, I don't understand they, you did the they, transition they, so fast. They would rinse me out. It was a whole process. It was just like a pressing curl, but. Because they would keep me conditioned, it kind of kept my hair healthy enough to take that heat. He was on that Jermaine Jackson. Like, Jermaine Jackson went through that. When he left the Jacksons, Jermaine was straight feathered. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah but yeah. the difference is Quick still got his. So this is, like, amazing. Hairline Most women flourishing. don't have those kind of stories. Man. Was just, I, I believe it was them... The pretty mean ass girls yeah. with the green eyes, extra green eyes, light skinned hairdressers. No, they used to condition my hair and and roll it at the same time. Okay. So on Safe and Sound, by the time you made it to your third record, mm -hmm. um, was priority at any? I'm sorry, not priority. Profile. profile. Were they just kind of just letting you do you like yo, just rock? Well, they or? they were recouping. So. I was cool. My thing was, I just never wanted to be in debt with nobody because that just seemed like some foul shit to do to anybody. Yeah. Just take their money. Yeah. My thing is, we signed a deal. I'm, I'm going to be I'm living to my side of the deal, you know. Um, but they let me stretch out. They didn't really check in on me, you know what I mean, unless I was late with a record. And then they would do mean shit, like when they realized the gang shit wasn't going nowhere. When I caught that case, they was like, okay, so if you want the advance for your next record, we need you to sign this life insurance policy. Wow. And then we're clear. So they got to insure. What? I'm thinking I was finna get my check. They came with a fucking like a adjuster and shit. <laughs> like, what is this? This don't say check. This say in the event of your untimely Demise. death. Really we get our money. Face. Yes. We get a million dollars for your death and we get to keep all your money. Wow. You know. Did it cite the kind of death? In the, I'm just curious. Did it say something yeah, about bullets? It say if a nigga shoots you on your face and <laughs> your ass. And you okay. die on Rosecrans, nigga, face down. <laughs> we, get a, we get a bonus. All right. <laughs> wow. But, wow. It was definitely that, that gang shit. That shit was wow. so dangerous back then. Okay, so by 96, um, I was rich as fuck. Yeah. I just got a publishing deal with Warner Brothers. You know, I was writing with Elder Barge and yes. Tupac. And There's one thing I got to ask writing, you, though, man. I was writing my ass off. Because as many times as we talk about 1995 on the show, and most people uh, sort of talk about uh, Outkast's whole, the, the South, South got something to say, yep. and, and I was there. Dr. Dre, oh, trust me, I know, because you set it off. The very first thing that happened that had us in the audience like, <gasps> when I went at MCA, yo. Okay, now <laughs> this is the thing. I had no context of that beef or hit or nothing. I did. Yeah, we so, dollars and cents. And was, <laughs> the thing was where we were sitting, and the, you remember the intro was like everyone came out of death row. 
the well, jail yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that whole thing. And you were first. Yeah. And me not getting the context, but watching the audience face like, holy shit, <laughs> he's singing right to MC8. It was in the, I, you know, when you uh, sound check, you get to see where everybody's seats yeah. is. They have the name there. Yeah, they had the tag. So I was like, uh oh. So <laughs> an hour before, <laughs> what were you? When did you decide that I was gonna go hard? Yeah, um, it was a lot going on before that. Like there was a fight that I had at the Elway Theater where, you know, I was implemented in like a death. Like you know, some some one of his boys was in the audience and he was dissing me, and um, I started fighting with him. But it started this chain reaction where everybody started fighting in the club. So the club got tore down and somebody died that night. And it was it had nothing to do with me. Right. But I felt like, damn, I, you know, me and this dude fighting and it, that energy just spread. So I was hot. Like, I was just mad for some other reasons. You know what I mean? And um, that when I knew that he was going to be on the show, I was like, you know, since we can't end this diss war amicably, like, I'm trying to talk to him. You know, I'm like, man, the source is keeping this shit going. We could just dead this shit and we'll be like neighborhood heroes. We both from Compton. Like, let's do it. You know, I'll I fuck with you. I'll even work with you on some records. Like, let's just squash it. But he had people in his ear that I later found out through um, some people in his camp that were keeping him from fucking with me. They didn't oh, want that to happen. They was, you know, like, nigga, if you do that, nigga, it's game over for you because you get nigga, niggas over. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, so they didn't let us build. And my thing was, I just thought he was just Mr. Billy Badass was like, fuck, just kept going at me. So I was, enough's enough. You know what I mean? I wrote Dollars and Cents, and when I got a chance to perform it for him, I was like, man, and you know, you you know, you make a nigga mad when he start. I was talking gay shit on that motherfucker, like fucking this nigga in the ass. I ain't, man, ain't gay. <laughs> that's, it was over. Like I lost my mind. I went crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. We I were sitting nutty. there like, yo, what's going on here? <laughs> what was? It? I couldn't see his face, but what was his? I didn't see. Did you worry that like they were just going to run up? I really, I really wasn't worried because you know. I was friends with Snoop and Dog Pound. Like, we was cool, so I, know, I don't like, think it was going to happen. But little did I know, Snoop was cool with 8 too. so it was like he wasn't in it. He wasn't, you know. Oh, no hands so, in. My name's did Bennett. Did he know you was going to do it? Uh, yeah. We rehearsed it. So Snoop okay. knew. Was, uh, he knew I was going to do that. Dre knew. Everybody knew. Dre the one edited the song. Uh, you know, so, and I had to do it. It was like, you know, you, you say something, you got to back it up. So I backed it up. But I knew. the cool thing was, to me... The cool thing was that I got my hair done in L.A. before we came out there because I didn't know no hairdressers in New York. But I kept my hair bone straight for four days. <laughs> you just, you just slept on your knuckles? Oh, I slept, yeah, it's just pretty. You know, you, 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 you got to put the pillow. You got to take the pillow. That's from the hard curl days when the girls had the bouffants and stuff. Exactly. That's how they used to you sleep. Must have been the wintertime because it would have been more yeah, challenging no, in the it, summer. It, you already know that humidity would have <laughs> yes. went. Couldn't find no light-skinned girls in New York. <laughs> okay, so after that show was over, mm-hmm. I ran out right after that. Uh, let it be known then. You know, the, the Snoop's yeah, old rant. Yeah, Snoop, yeah. I ran out. I, I was done. I was like, someone's going to die tonight. Someone's going to die. It's over. Yeah. Right. So that night, what did the death row camp do? Did y'all just fly back to California or did y'all? No. Y'all stayed in New York? You want to know what really happened? Yes. Hit me. Okay. My That night when the feud started, when Suge got up there and said what he said. Right. And we he, that was a wild pitch for us. We didn't know what was going to happen. We just wanted to 
represent LA. We was in Madison Square Garden. That was my first time there. So we was like in awe. Like, you know, we fans too. Right. You know, we know hip hop started in New York. We know exactly what it is. We just felt like finally we got some money and we further in hip hop. Like, you know what I mean? And we love y'all niggas. Like, I want to work with Rockham. I want to work with, you know what I'm saying? Fucking shit. Um, niggas that was on my label. Um, fucking. Um, Naughty or. No, well, on profile, it was like poor righteous teachers, poor righteous teachers, right. teachers. Right. Yeah, special yeah. ed. I wanted to work with them niggas, like you know right. what I mean. It's like we, like, you know, and uh, Dana Dane. So wow. after that, when when Suge got up there and threw that wild pitch, we felt the heat from the audience behind us. So me and Nate Dog were sitting next to each other. We stood up and just stood back to back, like. And Nate Dog said, "Quick, if you don't let nobody hit me in the back of my head, I won't let nobody hit you in the back of your head." And I'm like, "Bro, you ain't got to say nothing else." Shit. We knew it was it was so. It was so chill bump and yeah, yeah. you know blackout like it was just it was weird. Yeah, we had Steve Stout on the show a couple. It was was a while back, a while back. and he was there and he says like is he's energy, been in a lot of rooms. He was like the he that, said that's that the energy the was scary so shit. devilish. Yeah. It was like it was like everybody could have just got killed that night. Wow. It, that's what it felt like. It just felt like red light on everybody. So what we did was Shook had um I think he had the I want to say it was the the. The Maji, not the Maji. What you call that dope ass hotel? Maji, the Maji. No, 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 it's not the Paramount. The Waldorf. No, it's the one that Biggie rapped about. Tupac used to stay there all the time. Um, they have the numbers on the floor. The Parker, Parker Meridian. Late Parker Meridian. Oh no, the Parker Meridian. Yeah, I call it Tupac Central Part Two. <laughs> yeah, the Late Mark. That's the Parker Meridian. That's we're the there. hotel. We're there, and um, Suge had Mia come over. Um, Diddy's baby mama. Oh, whoa! A lot of people don't know this. This is only on your show, Quest. Yeah. And I'm going, shit. What are you doing? Like, what the fuck? Like, that's Diddy, baby, mama, and she was just like, you know, hanging out, like whatever, you know. And I, I was like, Mary J. Blige popped up, you know, saying it was like, I, I didn't get it. It just got weird to me. Did she calm it down? Maybe she was just there to calm you know, I hope. Yeah. You know. Well, I always thought it was weird that, that Sugar started working with Jodeci. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And I was like, there. Yeah, and like in all those... all those. Uh, like he, was, he, he, was, he managed them. He ended up managing yeah, yeah. everybody. Like, you know, got in their business with MCA and just wow, took over their management. Wow, that's yeah. kind of... Was, you know... Did he, you do come up sense? in my room? Did you... Not it? No. Okay, okay. I'm I'm yeah. He was. He wanted to be everybody's manager because he wanted to shake down every record company. His intentions was good, but I think at some point it started driving Suge crazy too. It was just because the fame and everybody trusted him. Like he had everybody wanting to do business with him. I mean, you'll be, (laughs) I was there when Hammer was there. It would be me, MC Hammer, Roger Troutman, Leroy Hudson, fucking Jodeci. Leroy Hudson, Nigga, 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 everybody, nigga. Nigga, everybody went to Death Row. Wow. Everybody, bro. Damn, he said, come to Death Row. Come to Death Row. Everybody. You build it. But that's crazy. What is it about Suge? Because, I mean, again, coming from security to being an exa- right. a manager, super manager, like, what was that charisma? Is it he something? Was, he, he was giving everybody results. Okay. He was getting motherfuckers paid from their record company. He was shaking their record companies up, and they'll write a check to you. And he was just scaring the shit out of folks. Was, Spooking the fuck right. out of niggas. Right. <laughs> he had the power work, of coercion. Did you work on Sam? Any of Sam's Sam Snee's stuff? I worked on one, one or two songs with Sam. The recognized you? I think no, it wasn't recognized. That was Dre. It was one thing I did with Sam. I, f- I forgot. Okay, let's was, let's finally get it out there. Let's get it out there. In the Dog Pound record, Dog Food. I was fucking dog food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are your patches the common patch of? Are you the Marley Mall of the West Coast? 
Marley Marl infamously yep. had you know his, his drum practice, and, and then next thing you know, a billion rappers are using. I sampled "Lady Groove" by the Fatback Band, okay. and I cleaned it up through an SSL console and made it sound like a breakbeat because it was all noise in reverby. Right, but I tightened it up and I used it for Second and None's uh, song "Be True to Yourself," the twelve inch. We did like this European 12-inch where I was cutting tape and breaking <laughs> it down to a break. And Warren G sampled it. No, your guy, um, he used to do the compilations, the European compilations, um, where they would... Uh, he, no, he was... Um, what's my man's name? Uh No, he was super popular. We'd all buy his records back. Like, he was from Europe, and he would do these breakbeat records. Oh, Simon, Simon Harris. Harris. Simon Harris. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Simon Harris. Oh, damn, Simon yeah. Harris sampled me and put my break on his record and named it after one of KK's lines in the record, Keep Cool Little Girl. Okay. Uh, he called it the Keep Cool Little Girl break, but it was that... You know, it was, it was killing. Warren sampled it for Indo Smoke. Um, oh, and it became uh, his bottom beat. Um, <laughs> Nate, um, it was used on Black Superman for um, Above the Law. Above, Above the, the law, law, yeah. And it just became so the that common fat thing. ass clap. That's that West Coast clap. Those are real claps. Some of them are. We, you know, we go in the bathroom with a, a dynamic mic, clap, and then EQ it, and you know, sample them. Um, but that was the that was the color, like to because we didn't have that. That clap trap that Parliament used to use mm-hmm. for like all them them funky records, you know, flashlight, aqua boogie. So we made them ourselves, you know. And I ended up giving I, I, I sampled some other ones and did a real dope color. That you know, claps are colors. Mm-hmm. You know, they're either big and buff or they're light and tinny. And I did some big buff meaty ass claps and gave them to Dre and he used them for fucking in the club. Um, ah. I was about to say, in the cl- is yeah. in the club your drums? Yeah, the the uh, the, the the only the claps are. That was Dre, Snare, and Kick, and everything else. But the claps, they're also the same claps from Truth Hurts Addictive. There are these guys. I could give them to Me and you shared. You gave me a file, bro, of some print stuff that blew me away, and I wanted to give you back some, you know, I got PYT. I didn't broke down it. I want to give you PYT. I'm like, wow. See, this I know your nerd, man. I'm a geek, bro. Wait, you were with me. Is it, so you get the you get the master, and then suddenly you want to see what oh, Michael Jackson was saying. So I, I, I time, you know, I put it in waves and slowed it, <laughs> down, slowed it down and listen to him. Like we did the same I, shit. I wanna yeah. give you P Y T. I'm gonna give you T L C. It's like wow. I never knew that's, that's what, what the fuck saying. he was saying. Right, man. Yeah. But I always knew. Well, I, I knew about the uh, the beef with you and Eight. What was the basis of the beef with you and House of Pain? Whatever last. Everlast was just being a dick back then, like because he was <laughs> he was friends with Ice T, and I think me, uh, I had said we had this magazine called Rap Pages, it was yeah, like a yeah, newspaper, yeah, yeah. And I had seen uh, T, and I, I I had to apologize back then, but me being such a big Ice T fan, when I saw him like go hard on a fan one time, like we were on tour together, and he was like, "Get the fuck! I ain't signing your fucking autograph. Get the fuck out of here!" I was like. Oh wow! Like he had, a, you know, he didn't feel like being bothered, yeah. and that offended me because I wanted to ask him for an autograph too. Because it's Ice T, yeah, so I said, yeah. so I said, man, Ice T's me, man. He's fucking dick. Like you know, be, being emotional at twenty <laughs> years old, twenty one, whatever, in a magazine, they just printed it. It was like wow. quick, just Ice T, but it wasn't like that. Yeah, you know, and Ice T was like, yeah, he, he, he shot back at me. He said, yeah, I don't give a fuck about quick. I'll beat Quick's motherfucking ass. I, I never said nothing else because I, I believe him. I really will. <laughs> 
<laughs> so at the time, Syndicate was signed to Ice T, so yep, they uh-huh, dissed me yep. for him. Like oh, they had okay. this song, you know, you make me, you make me sick. Like Nestle, quick, your rhymes are whack. You ain't the Mac, and then that that went over everybody's yeah. heads. So he oh, remixed. You it. talking about uh, cleaned up Everlast? Yeah, Everlast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, not Pain, Everlast. Everlast. Uh, no, yeah. not House of Pain. Everlast. I mean, not um, Whitey Ford. Whitey Ford. Yeah, yeah but, okay. Uh, yeah, the old school one with the Syndicate. He's Post, like, he just Vanilla put, Ice one. I've seen a video back when we used to watch, um, what was that, Music Choice? Not Music, Music Box. Music Box. Mm-hmm. Box yeah. I'm watching Music Box. The nigga said, you make me quick. You make me sick. Like, DJ, quick. Your rhymes are whack. You ain't the Mac. I was like, oh, God. And we had just <laughs> got the deal to do that Minister Society soundtrack, like, to give him a song for that movie. And we had, like, screened a little bit of that movie. I was like, oh, this movie is going to be crazy. Because mm-hmm. back then, it was just about being honest to the hood like if the movie looked like the hood and it, that shit was gonna automatically blow because culture know when it's a culture vulture or when it's real so yeah. you know that shit was real and i just figured you know i might as well i was in between way too funky and all that shit and you know at the at the time i was producing i was doing three albums at a time i was working on i did bitch better have my money second in the whole album my album and was starting on way too funky yeah. but was still stopped when them big ass twenty thousand dollar checks came from them little soundtrack records yeah. i was like Got to get it. I need that. Hell yeah. yeah. run it. How fast uh, was Tupac's work method as far as songs per day? Um, he could easily do like five songs a day. Shit. That's like doing an album in three days. Yeah. He could do it. So we did that would two, also mean you would have to do five songs a day. You would have to be, first of all. How many uh, songs did he do on, on All Eyes On Me? I did a bunch. Like, I, I helped with a lot of them. Like, Daz really produced most of, like, Ambitions of a Writer. I would just remix some of them and just, you know, finish the musical thought of them. You know, they, they needed a little hi-hat or something. I put a hat down or some shake. I got into percussion back then, so I was playing, like, the percussion and shit on shit to make it just sound like, you know, America's Most Wanted. That's me on the clap and the percussion just to make it <laughs> okay. make it sound oh, different. Yeah, that's uh, a um, that's that little Guica looking. It's like a Gordo, a Gordo. It's like a silver one. I had Tupac signed actually, but it was that that thing that you know just to make it sound like as if you scratch and keep it percussive or whatever. But I worked on like fourteen <laughs> songs on that record. Let me okay. Let me say when I first met in Quick. two days, <laughs> shit, what? seven songs a day. God. I needed cocaine back then, bro. <laughs> <laughs> we, had, we had BDs. We smoking BDs and shit. I was about to shit. say, what are oh, we BDs? BDs. 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 Just headaches. That's some 90 <laughs> shit right there. Okay, explain, BDs and vodka. explain to me your relationship with the Flexitone, a.k.a. That <laughs> <laughs> right there. <laughs> hey, you know what's funny? Because we didn't know. Okay, so we, back when uh, we were just starting to work on Chappelle's third season, uh, we started the Tupac sketch. Uh, okay, I will. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Neil Brennan was like, yo, we need what we just called the DJ quick noise. <laughs> 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 Little did we know you were in the studio next door. Like the assistant engineer was like, I remember that. You know DJ Quick's actually next door. <laughs> That's what I'm And Chappelle's like, yo, dude, we got to get him to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, you had your box of percussion. Wow. And you pulled out the flexitone. <laughs> and History. <laughs> I got that from uh, my brother-in-law, Bill Coverson. He was like the first person that I seen with that thing. And I'm like, what is this crazy thing? But when he would do it. It was just funny. Yeah. And I remember that sound from the song Cutie Pie by One yeah. Way. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's when we first heard it. And I ultimately, 
who taught me how to really get down on it was Carl Butch Small, this dude named Butch, who's a percussion player for Death Row. He was like the played on like uh, Twenty One Jump Street on Dr. Dre's yeah. records. All the you know when the, when the, when when Dre's records start sounding like super percussive and went big, big pimping. That was, big, oh, exactly. Shit. That's that the, was that's the one. Nigga. That's Carl. That's Carl Butch Small from Detroit. So actual people playing percussion. Yeah. See, Carl, I'm thinking that this stuff is just immaculately. No, bro, it's not programmed. Okay. This dude had bell trees. Like you go in there, he had this setup where he had the bongos, bell trees, rototoms, flexi tones, guicas, monkey acid. Yeah, and that's the quicker. I'm sitting yeah, up here. Quicker. The, yeah, quicker. Yeah, the, I'm sitting up here watching him do this, and uh, he played on dollars and cents. And uh-huh. blew my record up. And when when the when the soundtrack Murder Was the Case came out, Dollars and Cents was one of the popular records on there. Dre locked him down. Dre was like, you know, I need this sound for these songs. So he, you know, I couldn't get Carl no more. And I was I just got the deal to work with Tony 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 and do the Let's Get Down mm-hmm. record. And I was like, we need to continue that sound on here. <laughs> so I'm calling Carl. Hey, Carl, I'm not here right now. Hey, Carl, man. Hey, Bush, man. We need to get you on this project, man. But I was like, so he got real with me. He said, hey, man, Dre said I can't work on your records no more. I'm like, what? Man. Huh? All right. Raggy. So I I hung (laughs) up the phone, and I was like, I was in the living room of my little apartment. I was high at my condo. I was like, so I drove to uh, West L.A. music. I was like, hey, man, do y'all sell percussion up here? Like, come on back. So I just was looking at all the percussion. I would play it in the store to see what, what I it would, was, what yeah, it yeah. would sound like. And I just I bought a um I bought two flexi tones, a big one and a little one. I bought the bell tree where you had to order it. I bought a bell tree, Chinese bell tree. I bought like bongos. I bought tambourines. I bought the guica, the monkey ass. I bought the and the <laughs> kibasas. I bought the big and small kibasas. And I bought mm-hmm. shakers. And I went in there, and I, I walked around my apartment playing. That flexi tone over and over and over again till I got it to sound like what the record was. Yeah. And I, you know, I figured out a way to do it. You bend one of the bells back and you keep one of the bells open and you just ride the tone for as long as you can ride it. You know, Uh, it's like it's like playing a trombone almost. It's it's hard to get that singular sound. I was there's two two mallets and they hit the bells. Any little slight hit, any strike, it'll make both sound like Yeah. So the object is to hold one okay. back just yep. to be. You know what? Oh, the that. Okay. I, it wasn't my parents, but I do remember quick Ohio getting players. me. No, I remember oh. quick getting me in trouble once. What? In band class when I discovered the flexitone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. the best. It was the best yeah. and the loudest instrument yeah. in the whole class. Yeah. So like you know they be you know trying to tell us something. I'd be back there fucking with the flexitone, Boing. and all of a sudden, it's like Bill. Stay after class. We need to talk. <laughs> oh, wow. Man. Go ahead, get your lick, Bill. You want to yeah, get man. your lick? Oh, no, it's the right <laughs> one. No, left one. No, it's cool because that shit was great. I, 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 I would not trade that shit for the world. Speaking, man, of, which, speaking of which, can you talk about working on Smells Like Teen Spirit? I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's get down. <laughs> it is. It is. That's Raphael. Oh, shit. <laughs> Bro, hands down, the one of the funnest sessions ever because Raphael Sadiq is just the best R&B musician alive to me. Um, I didn't know if he was down with... You went to them? Or yeah. they came to you? Yeah, well, we had bought the Sons of Soul album. I had it, you know. I was like, I want to work with them because, you know, anniversary and lay head on my pillow mm-hmm. and my yeah. ex-girlfriend's mm-hmm. a hoe if I had no loot. I'm like, these dudes is like, 
this is better than they albums just got better and yeah, better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I just became a super fan and I wanted to work with him. So um my drummer, George Archie, had knew yeah, him. Yeah, G one, yeah. Yeah, G one knew him. And he was like, Yeah, I can get you on with Ray, man. Yeah, he called him Ray. I'm like, Ray, who's Ray? Where's Raphael? <laughs> you know, that's how green I was. So, you know, he set up a meeting and uh I talked to him. I'm like, man, you want to do a dance record? Like, I, I want to do some up tempo with y'all, like, you know, mix a little bit of this gangster shit I'm doing with what y'all doing, I think it'll work. He's like, yeah, let's start. You know, so we, I, I got the break beat down, um, and he, uh, I sent them the tapes. I, back then, you, you know, you send a twenty mm-hmm. four track reel. Yeah, laid it down, sent it like a rough. Now, what you hear is not a drag, Mister DJ. Quick, got a brain. You know, he's like, he said, let's do it in eights. Like you do, you rap eight bars. I'll sing eight bars, and we'll do an eight bar chorus. I was like, that's different. I never mm-hmm. thought about that. Like, how's that going? Because at that point, we was trying to do records for radio, you know, 16, 8, 16, yeah. 8. Right. Right. Over. And he was like, the arrangement was just trippy to me. Like, you know, I'm wanting to do the whole 16. And the way he heard it, you know, I was like, okay, that's a good idea. So I wrote the bass line out. And I was like, for his bass line, I want his bass line to be different. So I wrote his bass line specifically for it. For him, for his voice, and mine was like the a copy of my Just Like Compton record, Boodoo Boo, 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 Boodoo Boo, Ninth, you know, minor, uh, what's that, minor knife shit? Like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, nice. So, um, and his was just a little bit more funky and straightforward. And when he played, when I tell you, when he played the guitar, he had a dobro, and he played that fucking plume, da, 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 when I got it back against the bass line, mm-hmm. I was like, Lord have mercy. <laughs> I took the tapes in the studio. And I got proficient a little bit on that percussion shit, so I started. And that was the, my first time ever working with Pro Tools, too. That's when Pro Tools was in its early early stages. He took the tape, printed it to Pro Tools, and started editing and, and changing things and then put it back on the tape. He was like, quick, that's how you do it. Wow. I'm like, hell yeah, because you know, our <laughs> shit was, if it wasn't the tape, it wasn't me. Right. Got it back to me. I got on that uh, all the percussion, like the kibasa and all that shit, and you know the the I bought like them chimes you used to hear on all the Maze records featuring Frank Bell. Yeah. I was like, I wanted all that shit, <laughs> you know. Yo, I'm amazed that you're playing, literally playing these things. Yeah, because it like because I'm it, in the band and I'm like, I know that noise is on Ohio Players record. Let me just take it from there and, <laughs> and just sample. I go to car wash for the claps and yeah. then, you know. <laughs> just, <laughs> It was, but you know, if you think about it, everything that you hear on records anyway was kind of done at some point by some human beings, mm-hmm. you know. So I figured, we fuck the sample because I got tired of giving my Paying all my money. Yeah, to, yeah. I mean, just the lawyer fees alone on that shit is crazy. You know what I mean? So, but that's that explains why your your product has so much life to it. Now that I know that it's not one hundred percent synthetic. No, you know. All right, y'all, you know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? 
with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Was it a big difference for you, or, or talk about the transition once you went from profile to Arista? Um, what changed? Not really. I was waiting for that because I got Word. tired of being put on suspension if my record was late and Corey then wouldn't pay me and all this. Clive was like dad. Clive Word. Davis was, you know, a, a fan of his since the time he signed, like, Alon, that group that had the album Word. Queen City. When I, Arista Records was the bigger, one of the bigger labels in my collection. Oh, wow. Okay. So, you know, GQ, yeah, you GQ, know, Ray yeah. Parker Jr. Radio, Whitney Hughes, all that stuff. With all that Aristotle, I wanted the Kashif. Yeah. You know, these were nigga records. <laughs> and this guy is a white guy writing this shit. So when I met him, I was like, whatever you need me to do. You know, it, he was like, dad, bro. It was like, man, it was awesome. Yeah, Rhythmless, I love, yeah. I love that. That's album, my favorite man. quick album. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, what is, what is your Wait, favorite quick record? My fa- <sighs> that's you, my bro. favorite quick album. And that intro is my favorite intro of yeah. all time. Is that funny? A nigga do rock and roll music and die <laughs> on the intro. <laughs> <laughs> you, you fuck with that too, Fuzz, right? Thank you, yeah, bro. I love that record. Just yeah. having fun, man. Man, um, I wanted to always want to ask you about the divorce song, uh-huh. uh, James the Barge. How did y'all? How did that come together? Um, James was, James was, you know, he had a situation with his girl or whatever, and that's how he was feeling. I'm like, bro, we, you always hear these wedding songs, like let's make it a divorce <laughs> song. But this was before I was married, so I didn't understand just how fucked up divorce really is. I'm just making a record. Yeah. You know, I wish I could have thought that one out a little bit better. Because <laughs> divorce is a bad word. You know, like, ugh. and yeah. then how, how much some lawyers get paid when you go through that shit. I was like, wow. But, you know, it was, you know, not to put too much of his business out there. It was just something he was going through, and we just wrote it out. And Robert Bacon played all the Robert, okay. pretty guitar shit. You know what I mean? Nah, I love that. Can record. I, um, I got to say, the, as a DJ. <laughs> I knew this was coming. I knew it. I know this was going. All right. As a DJ. I was going to bring it up if you didn't. As a DJ, and thank God for Serato, because now I know where the one is. That part. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> frustrates uh, me more than trying to find the fucking one on hand in hand. Boom. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were going to go somewhere else with this. Oh, it's, wait. What are you talking about? It's all those. The we'll first, the first four I know beats now. are up. They're the upbeats. Well, no, no, no. I know now. Because literally, I, I had to spend seven minutes. On Serato, like one, two, and then I had to loop it just so that it's embroidered in my head. Because when I want to spin it and I can't find the one, and it just ruins my life. Like it, <laughs> like why couldn't you just Pharrell <laughs> <something? just, laughs> <four, laughs> give me a count all three, four? It's Spanish though. It was like it's it was the beat. It was like. 
I know now. So it's like it's a it's an imaginary kick. It's like kick boom 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 ha ha kick boom boom boom. Yeah, I know now because of Serato. But back when I was spinning the wax, it wasn't. I'm my bad, bro. And I was trying something. It's thirty seconds, like looping on the record, and I'm trying to figure out where's the one, where's the one, where's the one, where's my bad, bro. You want to know where I thought you were taking this story? Pitching on a pitching on a party. Oh well, yeah. Was somebody kicked the extension cord out? Yeah, and the record just stopped. But that happened. That used to happen. Oh, I know, I know. But like, if you're playing that shit at a party. And nobody like people don't really know the record. Yeah, they think some. They, they think th- I that we up. messed up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah, I but, love that record. But too. I love that record too, man. Yeah, it's so yeah. fucking hard. On yeah. the air, that was I was I did that for these guys. That's I became friends with Big Boy and Fuzzy. So and they were you know they was running Power One Six. So I was making records that was just like funny, you know, because yeah. I had a little bit of love on Power. You know what I mean? So that was like a, a radio DJ thing, and it, it was cool because on the air. When the DJs will play it, they they'll comment right in that break. Yeah. Like it'll be like, you know, somebody kick this, and you hear the little noise that transient when the floor is <laughs> pulled. Like it's all authentic. And they'd be like, "Hey, quick man, you know the air, the, yeah. the radio personalities would chime in, then they'd come back on." It, was, it became like a little, it's a fun. Thing, one of my favorite, one, another one of uh, productions I loved of yours was "Come Tonight" with True Hurts. Come tonight, Dude. we'll do the most. Proper what things. happened with um? Well, because mm-hmm. we, we didn't album? talk about the addictive, yeah, yeah the album and like, um, everything. Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, I didn't speak Indian when I sampled that record. <laughs> I would have loved to have cleared it, but we didn't know who it was. Like we didn't do our due diligence. We just what we knew it was a hot break, uh-huh. you know. And Dre was working with Rakim at that point, and he was working with Truth. And I gave that record to Truth for her birthday because me and MC Light tried to do something to it, but I didn't what? think that Whoa. I could get it far enough what? with Light. I swear to God, yeah. man, Light is mad at me to this so day. I was so. going to say, if Light goes to bed knowing that she gave that up was, that song. That was, that was MC Light's record. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I was trying to just expand, you know, you know, MC Light, Light is a rock, you know, yeah. fucking audio too. Like, yeah. I was going to, had to give her one. She yeah. came to the house, we worked it out, she spit on it. But it was like I didn't know where to take it from that point. It was like I'm, I'm never going to be able to finish it. And I knew it was cool. So it was True First Birthday, and I was working over there with her and uh, Nocturnal and Dre. And uh, I gave it to her, this instrumental, like, hey, you know, can you let Dre hear this and see if there's something you can do? Hey, happy birthday. Here's a, a beat that I like. Yeah. You know what I mean? And she took it to Dre, and Dre called me like two days later, like, quick, what's happening? He said, come to the studio. Like, all right. So I go to the studio, walked in. They just applauded me for the beat. Like, nigga, this shit hot. <laughs> oh, wow. He's like, can you can you do it over? Can we, I want to make this a song for, for Sherry. I'm like, hell yeah. So he put me in uh, Larrabee North, and I went in there with my little bass player dude, Eric Coombs, and we just I just reprinted it all. You know what I mean? And I like the way it stops and starts over in the middle mm-hmm. of the song. That was like kind of a thing. And um, she... Um, I went back to the studio. I gave Dre the tapes. <laughs> oh shit! The tapes, <laughs> you know, the tapes go, and he gets it, and I get a, a call like maybe like maybe less than a week later, maybe four days or whatever, and he had um he had Static Major come in and write the lyrics to it. Oh, yeah, that's wow, right. Static, that's right. Right. Static from Player. Man, when he I was... heard it. Man, he was so incredible, bro. So, yeah. When I just, heard, it, I was just, just to blown. back up for a second. How did you find the sample? Um, it was after the towers fell. I didn't want to keep watching the news because she was depressing me. You know what I mean? Because at that point, I loved New York. Like I was sneaking out there and like having fun and shit. Like you know, and um, 
they had these channels. I would just change the channel on my satellite TV or whatever. And it was just one channel that they had called ZTV. It was like an Indian channel where they was just. I remember ZTV. ZTV. <laughs> I was just demoing it to see if you yeah, like wow. it. You could add, you pay, you know, extra nine ninety nine for it a month and you can watch Indian stuff. I'm like, what is this shit? You know what I mean? I'm, you know, I'm waking up. You know, sober. I didn't even bake. You know what I mean? Just got up and just start brushing my teeth. I just turned it on. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, whatever. So I'm in the bathroom brushing my teeth and I start just grooving. I don't even know why. I'm glad you're brushing your teeth. I'm like, what the fuck is this on the TV in my room? I run in there and I look at the TV and see this Indian thing going down and this lady was belly dancing and the beat was I was like, I need this. I just pushed record on my VCR. You know, if you stay wow. ready. What did wow. you tape over? I taped over probably good times. It was, it was hard to find good times back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you always yeah, yeah. record, yeah, you know. Yeah. You get lucky, you get that damn, damn, damn. So whatever. But so you sampled it over. You sampled off of VHS. Dude, dude. Wow. Off a VHS cassette. Wow. I I um I I rewound it and I listened to it and all I heard was money. I took the VC, I snatched the VCR out, went to the studio with wow. the VCR RCA out and ran it through the board and sampled it into my MPC wow. and just arranged it in there. And then I was like, it need a bottom beat. And to me, the cleanest bottom beat that goes with this is do it satisfying because it's the same. Which lets me know all music is related. Ain't nothing new under the sun, but. It was what I did to do it to satisfy that made Dre, I think, understood and like it even more. Cause I put it through this multi-filter thing, like where I took the noise out of it but kept all the dynamics. It's like you put like five different um bandpass filters and expanders on the loop and you could like take the noise down. It's almost like doing Dolby. Okay. Dolby noise reduction. I cleaned it way up and then we added I added them crazy claps and the, you know, I don't snitch on myself, but where yeah, I got yeah, the class yeah. from. We know. <laughs> you know I, well, you don't know because this is where I got these class from. <laughs> yeah. You got to clear Man. them, but and it I gave him the tapes and yeah. it was all recorded and it just it was just clean like that. I never heard anybody use do it to satisfy because everybody that tried to use it, it would be noisy. Yeah. But the one we did, I, I stripped it down, made it super clean. So at the end of the day. Oh, wait a minute. Wait. So we get sued, right? Yeah. Well, and that's I'm where I was going. Yeah. I'm, going. Yeah. I'm going. Okay, great record. We didn't clear it. We get sued, but, you know, and it's like half a, uh, half a billion dollars. But at this point, how are you going right. to sue Interscope? This is the richest record company in the world. So I already I wasn't even worried about it. And Dre was like, like, don't worry about that. I was all freaked out. Like, dude, a half of, we got to pay a half, like half a billion. He's like, man, quick, don't even worry about that. So they worked it out to where they pulled the record or whatever. Yeah, or, you know, yeah. it was just like an advertisement. But, you know, what India did, they used that shit for their own. They started sampling it themselves. Sampling it. Right, right, right. <laughs> so it just started an international thing. Man, I um I always wanted to ask you about Mossberg because not I mean I didn't really know much about him or whatever. Like, what was y'all's relationship like, and what was he like, like as an artist? And He's stuff? a cool, smart, dope rapper, like just incredible from the hood. Like you don't even it's like where did you learn this from? Because you know all rappers needed a backstory back then, you know. And he for him to just come up from Compton, but is rapping like as good as Biggie. I'm like this just don't exist, you know what I mean? Um, and he was only like 20 years old. Oh, wow. So he was he was signing my boy um, Black Tone, and I was like, I want to invest in him too. So I started investing in him and recording his record and developing him. 
and he got on my down, 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 and you know other records. Then you know Warren G got a hold of him and yeah. heard of and Snoop. He's rapping with Snoop, and I so he's blowing up. But I, you know, I, um, I feel bad because I didn't know he was bigger than he was, and his, you know, somebody ran off with his publishing. I don't want to say that they didn't help him get out of the hood, and he made some people jealous. That's all it was, bro. Oh, okay. But such a great dude. I mean, we we had just been working on this record, like the Get Naked record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were working on that, and um, we took time off to go do Fourth of July with our families, and uh, he got killed on the Fourth of July evening. And I, I felt it. I wanted him to. I wanted to stay in the studio. Like fuck the holiday. Let's finish your record because yeah. we're almost done. Like you need two more songs, and you got an album, kid. And he was like, "Man, he love you, quick man. This shit hard, man. You making my dream come true." I'm like, "Nigga, you the you the next best thing, bro." And then you know, I get the call that night that he had uh, he was killed, and it was like I had to go to the studio and finish his record the next day in shock. You know what I mean? Wow. But I still mixed it. You know what I mean? Cried a little bit, drank some Hennessy, fixed it, mixed it, and it still came out. But it, I like how uh, how Kendrick Nam used it for King Kunta, how yeah, they King freaked Kunta, it. Yeah, yeah. I cleared that. I was like, yeah, that's the, awesome. My uh, other question: Quick Screw Seven with Jodeci. Mm-hmm. I didn't rap like? on it. I didn't rap. They, uh, Devontae was mad at me for that. <laughs> I didn't know what to do with it at that point. Like sometimes, you know, you you, you know. Sometimes we'll we'll be J.R. Smith. You pass the ball, we might run out of bounds with the motherfucker. Like, I, I blew that one. What I was that? Damn, with Casey and Joe, with, they were just jamming them? in the studio. Just, yeah, okay, you actually was in the studio them. just having fun. Okay, you know what I mean? Big ass studio, and us just trying to do something. You know. But I should have finished it. I should have had Devontae play music to it and whatever. People was mad at me for that. Like, that's not no Jodeci record. It's like, <laughs> like somebody was trying some shit. It was just a filler. It was like a fucking quick screw, whatever. All right. Since, wait, hold on. Since you mentioned the Jodeci record, let's bring up another R&B collab. The Joy record on The Midnight Life, Why mm-hmm. Did You Have yes. to Lie? How did that come about? Um, I was on tour with Raphael now when they put Tony, Tony, Tony back together. And I met her. She was married to um, Gip. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to work with her, like, cause you know what she was doing on stage, mm-hmm. yeah. her and fucking yeah. uh, and D'Angelo. I'm like, yeah. I gotta work with you. Mm-hmm. So she came in and wrote that shit. I wrote the little slinky beat with it, you know, a little SP 1200. She was just so she's such an incredible. Yeah, yeah. She's fucking so underrated. She's been on our show yeah. too. Yeah, Joy, yeah, Joy Gilliam is everything. Yes, she is. And Raphael used to tell me, he's like, man, you got. You gonna trip when you meet Joy? I'm like, <laughs> I met her. I was like, she bro, real. Yeah. she's hard. Like, can yeah. I fuck with this lady singing? She's All right, hard. I got one last question. I'm proud to say that I was heavy in in Jay's ear. Yes, thank you. Oh, about yeah. the black album, I was, I was like, we yeah, I remember that. I begged him to reach out to you. That's dope, bro. But thank you. Why did you? <laughs> why didn't you give him the I didn't quickness? Have that, I didn't. It, I didn't have that music at that point. That we were in the studio in New York because he wants you to do the beat in front of him. Right? He wants you to do the beat in front yeah. of him. So yeah. that was. The, I didn't get a chance to, when I when I tried to stretch out. Like you know, I was writing string parts and a bass line. He's like, "No, no, quick! We don't have time for that. Let me get something. Let me just press play. You had the one you sent me. Like, I'm like, I don't remember the one I sent you. He was like, "Well, just what? What you got?" And I start pressing play, and then he heard that one. And he liked the drama of it, and I was like. Damn, this one? <laughs> I think we all were. And, and it was supposed to be something more than that. 
because he had that idea of doing Justify My Thug, and Madonna was supposed to sing on it, and she uh, flaked on us. That was the, the draw, uh, you know. Okay. She was going to be on it, and she flaked, and we had to do something else, and, you know. I want you two to make another together record and really, well, you really get to do well, you. Well, he let me you. do me. You know, because I got some syrupy shit right now. That's how I figure my music is. It's syrupy. And I share this with you since she's talking about flexi tones. I was in the studio with Bruno Mars on a couple of occasions. Yo. And 24 Karat Magic, if you hear the flexi tone. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, somebody hit, but back to the Jay Z thing. Oh, okay. Charlemagne the guy was like, fuck that record. He's <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Black Album is dope without that record. And it's like, hey, man. Man, I just, yeah, you, you, you got to do it again. Yeah. I do over. Get- yeah, because I, you know, I I can write the way Dre, I mean Dre, the way Jay writes, he writes drama. Like he yeah. he'll he'll follow the drama of your track, and I I got theme records that's so perfect for him right now. You know what I mean? Like that are big, dramatic, dope records, big horns, all that shit. I just got to get to him again. Quick, for real, man. You you're one of the greatest yeah. ever, man. Yes. Thanks, for, yeah. This is you know an honor man. for us to. Man. Thank you, Fuzzy. Yo, and, one, and yo, thank you, man. man like, shout out to Fuzzy. Yes, yes, shout out to Fuzzy. And Fuzzy man, fans, I love the way like you did one of my the illest things you did. You on TV raps, you were performing, and you took the bit from Hall of Knights. Delaware. <laughs> I want to know what Quick is trying to say. <laughs> and then went and then, oh, hey man, bro, I was so that happy. Was so dope. <laughs> I was so happy that Eddie Murphy did that movie, and his character name was Quick. Ah, yeah. oh, that yeah. gave you material. They, but it was dope. I put that shit all over way too funky, and when I sent it to them to clear, because we was clearing shit back then. <laughs> Eddie Murphy and Colum- was that Columbia picture? It's Columbia. Yeah. Motherfucker said no. Whoa! Oh, I was like, man. I'm clearing it Come though. I'll pay for it. Like how much? I fuck you up quick. No. <laughs> get your ass. Get your ass whipped quick. That's what it was. Get your, get your ass, ass whipped whip quick. Yeah. 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 I ain't had my ass whipped since I was born. I'm still <laughs> looking for the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of Team Supreme, Fontigolo, it's yes. my ear. Unpaid bill, paid bill, and yes. boss bill. Nah, yo, you top five, bro. Like yes. straight up for real. Easily. Thank you, bro. Out, man. Yo, yeah. We Easily. love you. And Sugar Steve. Yes. Hey, shout out to the Sugar Network, everybody. <laughs> yeah, Sugar Network. Of the Sugar Network. I just want to share this, y'all. I helped. There's a lot of producers that I, I want to shout out that I helped. Terrace Martin. Yes. Okay. Yes. Thank, Thank, you Thank you for that. Again, my, my beloved Warren Campbell. Yes. Of course, G1. Um, there's a couple of other people who had some success. you remember who else I helped? A lot, huh? A lot of people that I just you help hip hop, man. Yeah. yeah, thank you, bro. I mean, hip hop uh, helped me. Problems. Oh, we forgot to fucking talk about the talk box. Oh my God, oh, Roger Troutman. Roger, Roger told me. He said he told Shirley Murdoch, and she told me after he passed. She said that Roger thought that I was the best out of the people that did it because I understood his nuances, and I would play what he played like nuance wise because anybody could put the toe in their mouth and yeah. play a key or whatever but he liked the way I would play just certain licks yeah I wrote that for him right yes. after he died yeah, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. man rest in peace nice. yeah. yeah I sampled um that sample is from um Sparkle Aretha Franklin rest oh, in peace oh wow That's nice, from um uh, I Get High yeah I just okay. modulated okay but that was yeah that was for him bro well, wow. I play a lot better now too. Like I've learned some more things. I got better <laughs> toys. Well, hopefully one day we'll work together. Quest, yes. man, you know I love. Besides you, the Chappelle skit, when y'all came, <laughs> hey, that was one of the most fun times of my life. I'm in the studio with David Chappelle, and I forgot just how funny he is. Right. He made a joke, 
and I was embarrassed to laugh in front of him, so I took off running. Out of <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was gonna pee on myself. I'm like, oh my god, nobody's that funny, man. Uh, yeah, it should be against the law. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, thank we, you we very much. We should get him on the show one day. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, you you uh, think? Right. <laughs> anyway, this is Quest Love Supreme. We'll see you on the next go round. Peace. Yeah. Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. 